Tiki Hut Media. Pop the top on your favorite beer or whatever you drink from Tiki Hut Media. This is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to a new edition of Soul Ramblings Podcast. Hope your week has been going well, and we're going to feature the first sermon in a series that I began this past Sunday at Manatee Life Church in Bradenton, Florida, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith. You can check us out online. The link is in the show notes to this episode. And the first sermon, well, the series actually is called I'm In. We are looking at ways we identify ourselves as the church and our identity, characteristics of that identity. And each sermon begins with the letters I-N. This week, we featured, this past Sunday, we featured I'm Invited. And this is the first sermon in that series. Our scripture lesson for the morning comes to us from Luke's Gospel, the seventh chapter, starting with verse 36. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The word of God for the people of God. Good and gracious God, fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of these, our hearts, be holy, pleasing, and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. 
It's awesome to have all of you with us today, whether you're here in person or worshiping with us online. As we gather, lift up the name of Jesus, worship our Savior, and experience God's Word this morning. And today, I'm always excited because, on a day like this, because we're beginning a new series. We're launching one called I'm In, and this message series is really more about our identity. We've been talking over the past month about who we are, and we're starting a series now about that what our identity is. And what I want to do is help us understand the heart behind the church and to embrace four qualities that are true identities of who we are in Christ. And so today we begin that. And all of these sermons in this series begin with the letter I in. I'm in. And this week, week one, is I'm invited, as in I'm invited into God's family. I'm invited to God's party. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, one of the worst feelings is to feel left out or feel uninvited. There have been times I've gone places, let's say, Stephanie is getting together after church with some friends at a local restaurant. She invites several friends. She doesn't invite me, but I show up anyway. A little uncomfortable, a little awkward. I wasn't invited. And if you've ever felt ashamed, unworthy, unwanted, or uninvited, I want you to hear one of the greatest truths of the gospel about Jesus, and that is this. Jesus invites people others reject. That's the point of this morning. Jesus invites those that religion despises, that others overlook, and those who feel like they're not good enough. You're invited to the family of God because Jesus invites the people others reject. And what we're going to do today is take a deep dive into the story in Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, that we just read. I want to give some context here to what's going on and understand what's happening. So, if you'll imagine with me, we here at Manatee Life Church have secured a date with Jesus in human form to come and be our guest speaker on a Sunday morning. Oh, we're going to get the plans going. Wheels are going to be set in motion. Big things are going to happen. This place is going to be packed to capacity. They're going to be parking out on the streets, lining up to get in here to see Jesus. And he's here at Manatee Life. And he sits, I would imagine, up here getting prepared to deliver to us our message that morning. And... Being the humble person I am, of course, I'm going to be sitting right here with him. And then, in the middle of all the festivities, the singing and the shouting and the praising, celebrating Jesus being in our midst, there walks down the center aisle, the doors open there, and down the center aisle comes this 
scraggly looking woman. Bradenton being the small town it is, we all recognize who she is. That notorious sinner who's made no secret of her indiscretions. She's clearly very upset and to our horror walks to the altar slowly with her head bowed low, almost crawling until she reaches Jesus. And I'm over here, I know my thought process is, what is she doing? She's ruining everything. All these best laid plans we've been planning for weeks and weeks and weeks. And she's, she's destroying the very joy of our moment here. Crying at Jesus' feet, she offers to minister to him in a very humble way. And to make matters worse, Jesus isn't even talking, he's not even turning her away. He's allowing her to continue to interrupt our great plans that we have made. I imagine I would get up and address the congregation, frustrated. Oh, church, we must have made a big mistake here. Inviting Jesus to come in because he's unwilling to reject this woman. And it makes it clear that he must be a fraud of some sort. But then Jesus turns the tables. I would imagine him turning to me and saying, Jerry, there were two men fishing. And they're financially broke. And all they can do is fish. One was three months behind on his mortgage, but the other faced immediate foreclosure. He's going to lose his house. When the bank forgives both debts, which one do you think appreciated it the most? And I would imagine I would say, well, Jesus, I guess the one that was about to have their house foreclosed on. Jesus turns to the woman looks at her lovingly and says to me, I'm sure you and your congregation agree. So look at this woman and compare her actions to yours. Oh, you've been polite to me, but you haven't really rejoiced that I've come to be with you. You seem to only want to bask in the honor of my presence. You want me to say what you expect to hear. Just a moment ago, we sang Amazing Grace, but... You didn't look particularly amazed. You think I've threatened the security of your community by accepting someone you consider an outcast, someone you think you know. And then, almost in contrast, he honors the woman. What love she has, he says. You have done nothing of note for me. But she came with her heart in her hand and offered me all she had. That perfume was probably worth about a year's wages. About a year's wages. Offered me all she had. She humbled herself and wept because of her sin. That's why her sins are forgiven. And then to her, he says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In that teaching moment, Jesus used the classic method of contrasting 
two behaviors in order for us to understand the competing value of the one against the other and helps discover the truth of God. He compared the actions of the Pharisee with those of the sinful woman. And to put it more plainly, and to borrow an old quote, Jesus has comforted the afflicted and afflicted the comfortable. This woman was a known sinner. She was not an insider, not a member of the synagogue. She wasn't a member of the church. She was not among those whom anyone would consider as doing God's will. The Pharisee stood among those who were traditionally good and generally kind. By reputation, they clearly committed themselves to God as they understood it. The Pharisee was a leader among the community. However, he lacked genuine humility. He considered himself a superior person. A wonderful example of a God-fearing believer. He seemed unaware of his own failing, his own sin, his own need for anything beyond himself. You see, when we're full of ourselves, we fill ourselves full of ourselves, there's no room for God there. The woman, due to the keen awareness of her sin, felt a clear sense of her failing. She didn't consider herself better than others and could only turn to Jesus weeping in an act of kindness and begging for mercy. The Pharisee expressed himself mostly in terms of judgment. He set himself apart from the woman, self-righteously considering himself better than this outcast who disturbed his great moment. He expected Jesus to express the same opinion as he had. He also thought he had all the answers. And so, therefore, he didn't have any reason to be open-minded. Being part of the in-group, those who are always in the right, he didn't need to learn anything more about life because he thought God was perfectly satisfied with who and what he was. The woman, in contrast, came to Jesus with a deep sense of humility. She wasn't concerned about how others acted, only about her need to change and her need for forgiveness. She had almost no resources and knew she didn't have all the answers, maybe no answers at all except to rely on Jesus. At that moment, she was aware of two things. One, when we empty ourselves, we're in a perfect position to be filled by God's grace. Two, when we empty ourselves, we're in a perfect position to be used by God. Verse 44, Jesus says to Simon, do you see this woman? I mean, he'd seen a woman who had lived a sinful life. He'd seen someone he didn't want to be associated with or recognized with. And when she turned up at the house, when Jesus was at the table, he probably saw some embarrassment. Do you see this woman? Jesus asks. No one there really saw her, but Jesus saw her. He saw the woman, and he saw a woman of substance. He saw a woman who loved much and who was unashamed of her love for him. Do you, do you see this woman? Well, truth be told, we all see different things. Do you see this woman? 
Did you see her when she came to your door? Did you see her or did you see a problem? Do you see this woman? Simon, you're looking at all the wrong things. You can't evaluate what's going on here because you can't see. Simon can't see Jesus for who he is, but this woman can, and Jesus recognizes that. She's acting like Simon ought to act if he could only see. Simon is so blind in his spiritual pride that he had the creator of the universe over for dinner and didn't even greet him at the door. He's so blind, he didn't even offer to hang his coat up. But this woman gives her all in worship. Your sins are forgiven, says Jesus, who sees this woman for who she is. Go in peace. Your your faith has made you well. And I've often wondered, what motivated this woman to come and see Jesus, and knew he was there, and motivated her to come see him. There are scholars that believe that probably earlier, she heard Jesus say these words, and that motivated her. Maybe true, I don't know. She may or may not have heard this, but it makes sense. When Jesus said over in Matthew 11, starting with verse 28, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can you feel his love? Come to me, those who are wrecked and overcome with guilt. Come to me, those who are burdened by shame. Come to me, those who are tired of trying and never living up to their own standards, much less anywhere close to God's standards. Come to me, those who have been rejected again and again and again by people. Come to me, those who religion has turned away. Come to me, those of you who didn't have the right clothes to wear to the right church because someone who didn't represent truly the love of God told you that you were not invited, that you're not welcome here. Come to me. Come to me when you feel like you've got nothing left. Come to me when you've lost all hope. Come to me when everything in you feels desperate and doesn't know if you can go on. Jesus says, you come to me when you're weary, when you're overwhelmed, and I will give you heavenly rest. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus said, you're still invited. You're welcome in God's family. My father sent me to tell you he loves you. You're invited. You're invited. An invitation to know the Son of God, to experience his grace, his goodness, his love, and his freedom. Because you have to understand this, Jesus did not come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Jesus did not come for the self-proclaimed righteous. Jesus came for the hurting and the broken and the repentant. And Jesus said, you're invited. Come as you are. Come now. Come quickly. Come and know my grace. It doesn't matter who you are. Listen to me. It doesn't matter who you are. If you've ever felt unwanted, maybe you feel like you failed. You doubted God. You questioned God. Or maybe you feel like you've been hurt by God. You're still invited. If you've let God down, if you've tried and failed, and tried and failed, and tried and failed again and again, you're still invited. Come to me 
if you feel ashamed. Come to me if you feel unworthy. Come to me with your doubts. Come to me with your addictions. Come to me with your hang-ups. Come to me with your baggage. Come to me with your past, whatever it may be. Come to me with those things that other people don't like, that people judge. Just come to me. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me. Here at Manatee Life Church, come in as you are, where you are. Come in with every kind of hang-up, doubt, insecurity, those things that hold you back. You just come to Jesus as you are. Feel his love. Sense his grace. Let it draw you. There's still room. There's still room. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter how unworthy you feel. You're invited to God's party. You're invited to the family of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you draw people? Invite us into your family today. God, we pray today that you would inspire us as your family to so fall in love with your kingdom and your party that we just compel others, we compel people. Show them what life and life abundantly is like, O oh God, that you would draw people by the power of your Spirit. We pray, God, for those that we know and love and don't yet know you. God, we won't judge their lifestyle. We'll lead them to you and let you heal. We'll let you forgive sin and make us new, O oh God, because we all need your grace. Use us, God, to compel them to come in and experience your party, your family, your love. Father, thank you for never making us feel left out or unwelcome. You love us and have invited us to be a part of your family for all time. Help us to embrace your acceptance and extend it to the people in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can also stay connected with us here at Soul Ramblings Podcast by simply clicking subscribe wherever you're listening right now. If you'd click that subscribe button, and that way you're alerted when a new episode comes out. We release them most every Wednesday. You are not only saving a child's life, you're breathing life back into that family. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. At St. Jude, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Because of you. Because of you. Because of you. There is St. Jude. Donate now at stjude.org. Get social with us. Contact us on Facebook or Instagram. Links to those pages are in the show notes of this episode. I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today. And this last piece of advice, if you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. Until next week on Soul Ramblings Podcast, I'm Jerry Wicker. Keep the conversation going. Drink responsibly. Grace, peace, 
Cheers. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production. Thank you.